Welcome to What's Korean Cinema, episode 42 on No Blood, No Tears. Violence, smoking, women, taxis, martial arts, resilient Korean gangsters, car crashes. All the things that made Shakespeare great. No, I mean, uh, it's <laughs> it's the action kid Ryu Song-Wan's foray into planting a plethora of characters and content in the same arena. With the central piece being money. Everybody wants money. And uh, it's his task to connect these and for us to see how they connect, interact, and uh, just how much our characters able to beat the crap out of each other in one movie. Well, we're going to measure that via our review. <laughs> so the action kid uh, does uh, action and uh, violence and uh, mood galore in a way. So that's our connection between this and the previous episodes. Mood switcheroo. But uh, we'll see uh, what no blood, no tears holds in terms of our opinions. But my name is Ken B, and with me is the reviewing kid of Korean cinema. Hangol Seliroy is Paul Quinn. See what I did there? Hello, and thank you for using the word kid. I haven't been called a kid for decades. Reviewing fart? Yeah, that'll do. Anything will do. I won't say anything. You know that. All right, this, uh, this can't have been your first foray into no blood, no tears, right? No, certainly not. It's not. The Ryu Sung Wan film I've watched the most. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But it's out of out of his films, I've watched it more than a lot of his other stuff, and we'll talk about why that was later on too. Excellent. Well, uh, we got lots to cover, so I'm, I'm gonna keep uh, the contact information really, really basic. So in terms of the Podcast on Fire network contact information, this is what's Korean cinema. We are located on podcastonfire.com along with all the other shows that covers Hong Kong cinema, Japanese cinema, Sleazy cinema, Taiwanese cinema. We got bonus episodes uh, as well that uh, connect to what's Korean cinema. So welcome if you're a first time listener to what's Korean cinema. I hope you like it. I hope you find that uh, our aim is uh, to provide context and fun. I hope that comes through and uh, if you did like uh, what you heard please uh, consider our back catalog and uh, let us know on email for instance what you thought podcast on fire at googlemail.com what's your favorite movie from the action kid of uh, of uh, korean cinema and uh, the social media links are at the top of our website to facebook where you can join the discussion group to share your thoughts and follow updates and uh, discussions uh, click the twitter button to follow us that way subscribe rate and review us on itunes and stream us on stitcher radio so i'm gonna keep that keep it short now because we got a lot lot to discuss and i'm curious because uh, that's how i construct these things out of curiosity but also the aim is to provide context and there uh, we we do that together but uh, you're gonna have to uh, plug your website where you can find a review or five of uh, Rio someone's uh, movies I assume my name's Paul I run hangolcelluloid.com you can find me at www.hangolcelluloid.com I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash hangolcelluloid my Twitter handle is at hangolcelluloid I specialize in Korean film reviews interviews and rants and essays and talks I've given and stuff um, pop over to the site name dropping from the very get go I have interviewed director Ryu Sung Wan three times Thump. that was the name drop you know um, I I interviewed him inter- individually just me and him for a first review and then I've done two group ones and it does have for, to be said uh, for, for what movie it was uh, the individual one the individual one was I think uh, the Berlin File right which on. was which we'll talk about later. And the the two group ones were the unjust and veteran. So they're they're quite recent ish. Nice action kid. Nice, very nice action kid. I went to introduce myself on the the first group interview, which was after the individual one, and I said, My name's Paul, and he just looked at me and went, 
I know who you are. We spoke for an hour and a half the year before last. Really nice guy. I'll talk a little bit more about what we talked about later on, um, as probably as a, you know, a lead out. But um, really good guy. Great action kid of Korean cinema. Um, I'm done. Well, let's go. Okay, it's uh, it's simple enough. This episode we're, we're gonna spend uh, significant time in two sections, and I wanted to let you know that uh, what is coming up that is, and uh, there are time codes in the show notes so you can navigate uh, as best you can. We start with a biography and discussion of the action kid in question, Ryo Sung Wan. Uh, that will contain discussion of some of his movies and the reception of them through the years and uh, then we'll conclude the episode with our discussion of No Blood No Tears and that movie is from 2002 and a plot uh, which is a little whimsical playful one from IMDB but I sort of thought it uh, fit Uh, but that's just uh, how I work it might not be represented representative of the movie as such but at any rate it goes as follows she drives a cab on the night shift and meets every scum there is the character of uh, Gyeong Son played by Lee here Young lives a scant life day by day. She, she's the taxi driver, but she used to be a professional safe cracker that earned her the nickname Leather Jacket. No, uh, not sure I caught that in the translation I watched, but uh, it might have been there. Anyway, once she was a hot item, now she's all washed up. On the job, she relieves her fatigue with tonic beverages and finishes a cigarette with just one drag because she's that cool. But she gets by the day, clinging on to the chance that someday she'll meet her only hope in life, her daughter. But the world doesn't seem to let her have things uh, that easy. She's still haunted by her, by her dark past as this uh, third-rate gangster keeps threatening her to uh, pay back uh, money her ex-husband ran away with. Then one day, she meets a girl named So Jin, played by John Doyon, out of uh, The Housemaid and uh, Secret Sunshine. Uh, who is a spitting image of herself back uh, when she had it made. With So Jin's help, she gets fed up with her dire circumstances and finally decides to do something about it, goddammit. So that's a the little whimsical, playful plot that still uh, is the movie, in a nutshell, I'd say. Lots of characters to keep track of. Uh, whether that is a difficult thing, uh, easy thing, good or bad thing for the movie, we'll get to it. But let's talk of Ryo Song Wan, the action kid, who is about 45 years old by now. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm sure he's happy to be called a kid, like, through and through. Like, uh, I, I, I got it made. I got a tag that's going to outlast me. I was a kid from the get-go all the way through. See, I'm going to be really annoyed in this whole podcast because I'm going to say, I asked him about that in one of the interviews. He doesn't like it. He loves it. Uh, his exact words were, I'd much rather be the action kid of Korean cinema than the Kore- the Korean old fart of Korean cinema. <laughs> so I, th- I think his age is catching up to him. So he's going to be the kid for as long as he possibly can. Well, he was born in Onyang in the South Chongchong province. Uh, and there wasn't much in terms of movie selections where he was growing up. Uh, you know, it ranged from propaganda and hostess films as this era was sort of stuck with those and strict government censorship. But uh, Rio found and stuck uh, with cinema outside of Korea. We don't hear this story many times. Namely, Hong Kong action cinema appealed to uh, young Ryo Sung Wan, and apparently Yoon Wo Ping's classic uh, Jackie Chan vehicle, Drunken Master, made a huge impression on him, and uh, why wouldn't it? And I know a little bit about Korean cinema uh, boasting significant martial arts talent that appeared in both Hong Kong and homegrown productions in the 70s. I mean, you had uh, out of Drunken Master, Wang Jiang Li as the, as yeah, the yeah. villain, Snake and Eagle Shadow, he, he was in as well, and a plethora of other Hong Kong movies. And uh, you, if you feared 
Hongkong villain, it didn't, it didn't uh, happen a lot of times. But when Wang Jiang Li was a martial arts movie villain, you feared him. That guy was powerful. Totally. Uh, that, guy, that guy killed another guy, right? He, uh, he was uh, in the army and he was challenged by like an American GI, so he killed him in self-defense. True story. Wow. That's a, it's sort of a very basic version of that story. But yes, he was challenged to like a knife fight or whatever. So I think he killed him with a kick to the head. If you're gonna, you're gonna. You really. don't mess with Wang Jiangli. If you see him today, he still looks the same. Still looks uh, spry and all of that. And you also had um, uh, Wang in Sick, which was Jackie Chan's opponent in the Young Master and Dragon Lord. Also very powerful. So And, and Dragon Lee as well, which uh, was one of the Bruce Lee copies out of Korea. So I know they, they had those uh, that martial arts talent um, in the 70s and partly into the uh, 80s. But... Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't think uh, all of that didn't have a, like a significant grip on the local market, like the, like the Korean-made martial arts movies. Uh, but uh, having said that, that, does its presence, Korean martial arts cinema, action cinema, that, does it come up at all in discussions you encounter? It's been overshadowed by the emergence of other genres uh, since then, and it's, it, do, it doesn't really play into a, like the discussion of Korean cinema history. It, it funnily enough, in discussions I've had, it comes up a lot because as soon as you've got a Korean action director, you know, if you're in a group interview and there are people that cover HK and, you know, whatever else, they are kind of obsessed with finding out how it links, et cetera, et cetera. Out of all the people that I've interviewed doing action, whether it be Kang Woo Suk from Public Enemy and the like, or Ryu Sung Wan, only Ryu Sung Wan admitted the influence HK stuff had on his films. And, you know, he even said other people in Korea will tell you it has no influence, whether there have been, you know, HK stars in Korean cinema or not. It's not a big thing. We do our own thing. You ask Kang Woo Suk, and he said, no, you know, he was aware of other action films but he he was bought, brought up korean he dealt with korean film and it was entirely korean and i don't think you can believe half of them i would believe more ryo sung wan saying he was deeply influenced and i think a lot of the others were but they won't admit it the the, the thing is too if we if we're going to be fair the actual korean made martial arts movies uh, whether they star dragon lee or hong kong stars uh, brought over I, I think they were lesser in quantity and the Hong Kong imports, mm. whether they were shot in Korea, uh, which was always appealing, by the way, when they yeah, shot yeah. in Korea because they, they utilized the landscape so so well, especially the snowy landscape. Uh, but w- whether they were uh, shot in Korea or not, I think the, the quantity of those probably played a lot more in Korea. You know what I mean? Uh, whether Korean connection or not, but but they did have a literal uh, like made by Koreans martial arts movies that were obviously recognizable worldwide because they got distribution worldwide. So they they were they weren't like specialized like pure uh, odd odd little uh, martial arts uh, genre pieces or anything. But uh, in reality, we're pure Korean martial arts movies. They are less, uh, I think, in quantity, especially available. Uh, they're certainly not. I mean, there are, there are certainly examples, you know, one one that immediately springs to mind from about 2003-04, Taekwondo, which is essentially an action film based on a Taekwondo school that all goes horribly wrong. Um, it's that sort of thing, but it's seen as wholly Korean, even though it, it's kind of directly linked from somewhere else. 
and I'm sure all of that came, uh, you know, as the decades moved on from the 70s and 80s, they, they started to produce more, more their own martial arts uh, movies, you know. So uh, very, very much so, yeah. Because I know, uh, or Wang Jiangli himself uh, directed a. Oh God, uh, uh, the name escapes me. But there, there is quite a regarded movie he did. I post his Hong Kong career during his Hong Kong career. That was pure Korean. Uh, that uh, like is available on bootlegs and things like that. So he he took his know how from Hong Kong stunt coordinators and brought that to Korea and all of that. But uh, part of the history, but uh, it doesn't get uh, brought up. Certainly Taekwondo gets brought up a lot in Hong Kong made movies set in Korea yeah, and yeah. all of that. Uh, that's always cool. Uh, at any rate, uh, Ru Sung Won. Um, continued to explore and build on his movie knowledge. He also took classes in Taekwondo. He saved money, um, you know, as much as he could when in middle school to buy an 80mm camera. And off he went, started to shoot uh, short films, action or not. Uh, he, he faced huge adversity uh, in his life at a young age uh, because he lost both his parents while in middle school. And uh, he dropped out to support uh, the rest of his family. And uh, further down the road, he joined a private film workshop while also having several part-time jobs in order to pay tuition, such as con- such as construction work and a driving instructor. And this was funny, at an illegal driving school. So I presume it means it's not an authorized driving school rather than like, totally, oh, we yeah. teach you to drive like, illegally. <laughs> what a great idea. This is how you get caught by the police, <laughs> like driving like this. This is how the Irish drive. <laughs> there it is. He struck up a friendship with now famous but then fresh-faced director Park Chan-wook through, his, uh, through loving his 1992 film. Must have been one of his first films. Uh, the Moon is dot 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 The Sun's Dream. Would that be his first film, uh, Park Chan-wook's, or one of his first? One of his first. You know, he did a lot of short films and whatever, but one of his one of the first named, really. And he also followed uh, the man, Park Chan-wook, uh, his work as a movie critic. So uh, Ri was really keyed into um, what he was bringing to the table creatively and um, as a critic. And uh, Ri Sung-wan put uh, his creative drive into gear, uh, supporting uh, his family and uh, those dreams. And uh, by by making his uh, own, you know, more of a proper short movie in 1996 called Transmutated Head. That's such a metal title. Wow, what a title. Yes. Uh, on hand to... Lens the film, actually being the cinematographer, Save the Green Planets, uh, Jiang Jun Huan, who had recently has scored at least a critical hit with 1987, When the Day Comes. So uh, was it was it an audience favorite as well, that movie? Very, very, very much so. And it's it's still rising, if you like it. You know, it, it had huge box office initially and it stayed in the public consciousness, I guess. It's an incredible film. I love Save the Green Planet. I think Jang Jun Wan is an amazing director, and we, we've talked about the fact that it was related to Guangzhou, and that's his big thing. And 1987 is sort of it's related to Guangzhou, the the massacre of students by the government, but it's sort of set slightly later. There's the death of a student activist. The investigator called in to to find it is told to cover it up and it you know it's a deep serious film with a lot of beauty in it it has to be said it stars kim tae um who's just the the name of korean cinema at the minute she was in the handmaiden she did a a a movie called moon young she's new but she's phenomenal is that the handmaiden herself or or the um 
Yeah, she's the little handmaiden, you know, the the one with the the foul mouth. She's wonderful in it. She's wonderful in a film called Little Forest, which is two hours of nothing happening, but it's the most engrossing film you're going to see, and I urge you to see it. But 1987, When the Day Comes, is possibly her most striking so far. It's an incredible film. It deserves every accolade that comes its way and if you get a chance to check it out do not miss out on it hopefully uh, just like taxi driver or a taxi driver which was also set there in guan Yu, hopefully uh, western distributors won't uh, back away from 1987 just because it's um, uh, based on korean incidents and things like that there's there's been no specific word so far that i'm aware of but i would i would think they would be fighting at the bit to try and get it, even though it is a very Korean story. You know, you can watch it without knowing anything about what's going on and be informed as you go through. And it, it, it's 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 gripping. And uh, so, uh, yeah, he uh, lent an eye to uh, Ryu sung uh, uh, short film, Transmutated Head, and uh, look at what happened to each respective career and all of that. And uh, uh, as a little side note, uh, that mentioned short reportedly gathered up some notable names, at least now, in the Korean um, indie scene, such as actor Hyo Jong-so and Lee Moo-young, who uh, would go on to direct a movie called the, the, the Humanist. So did also break out of the indie scene at any point? Uh, because when you hear, like, being character actors and things like that i can totally see an actor getting plenty of appearances in big films in supporting roles and and also you know small films so what was the impact for those two and the impact of the humanist if you remember anything offhand really their impact was marginal i mean the the fact that the the humanist gets mentioned is because it, it was written by park china you know in his early days as well as directing and critic and you know being a a film critic he he also wrote and he wrote the humanist and it's a deeply 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 dark tale about a guy who's in prison for having murdered whatever and it takes you back funnily enough um to show his story um we've got the rape of nuns we've got vagrants hanging outside churches accosting nuns it's quite something. We've got a guy who has a, a, a young woman and makes her jump out of a, a closet singing the cuckoo song before he makes love to her. It It's like nothing you're going to see. It is very, very niche. I, I guess it's erratically paced and there are a lot of flaws, um, but it's it's willfully tasteless to the point that I had to have it in my collection. It sounds like an ironic title of a humanist. Totally, and you know that one of the final scenes is the main protagonist um, dangling above a shed full of pigs. Um, You get it's just it's completely off the wall, funny, moving, and utterly disgusting, all rolled into one. Um, It's a good film. And those uh, type of uh, characters, so to say, or a recent one uh, crossed uh, paths with and... uh as with many uh, now established filmmakers, uh, recent one uh, cut his teeth on movies in the capacity of assistant director, and he was one on the Korean horror hit Whispering Corridors, the first in that uh, school uh, girls horror or one of the latter ones. It was the first one. I would say it's my second favorite. It was followed by oh no, he said going blank. Memento Mori. Wow, wow, wow. Memento Mori, which is the most famous. 
Um, it's the least appealing. Is there something called stairs as well in that? Wishing stairs was number three, and it is the best of the first three. They've done. They've gone and done five now. They did the voice, and they did a film called A Blood Pledge, which is not very good. The voices is, is kind of good. But the best is definitely Wishing Stairs, which is the third one along. But anyway, Whispering Corridors is is good, if not as great as the others. And uh, he contributed to that uh, recent one. And he was also an AD on the trio by friend uh, Park Chan-wook. There were plans in motion for Rio to, to take the leap to feature director. But he ended up uh, shooting separate short films, uh, connecting through characters and themes and what have you. And uh, I was never fully clear on this. Is the short Rumble part of that uh, trilogy and uh you know what what have you heard of its quality and the connections between these these initial short films if you will it is part of it and it's meant to be worthy more worthy of being included than the other things um it was greatly critically acclaimed in terms of everything about it getting access to it non-existent it's too far back it's too niche i guess so i can't say i've seen it but um i haven't seen anything bad about it whatsoever and it did, uh, did uh, get a claim and also won Best Film at the 1998 Busan Short Film Festival, which, you know, co- started the ball, ball rolling in terms of let, let's uh, develop features, uh, let's uh, take Rumble to feature length. And uh, he continued to work on that, presumably. And the year after, he won uh, yet another Best Film at the Short Film Festival for his piece, Modern Man. So did, did Rumble ever happen as a feature or Ryo Sung Wan found other ideas and pursued... Uh, those because I, it was also a bit unclear to me because I know some his short movies got compiled into a feature which would technically be his first feature and I think that was Die Bad wasn't it? That's right, that's right and Rum, Rumble became part of that, it was originally meant to be turned into a feature, it never was and it got lumped with a number of other shorts into what became Die Bad. So they redid it, uh, therefore, because you said Rumble isn't um, available, or uh, was that the way they made? They pretty much took the ideas behind them, remade this, that, and the other, and lumped it together. So essentially, if you'd seen his four short films, you would recognize where they, where Die Bad came from. But in terms of watching Die Bad, you'd see it as just... A film on its own if you weren't aware of the shorts so did, did it make any any impact because uh you know the action kid would start to be flung about the place you know it was a die bad that set things in motion for a real song one very much so i mean if you watch die bad as a movie on its own you'll go who is this guy he was doing stuff that in terms of technical aspects in terms of just piercing and intensity that weren't being done to any degree at that point. So Die Bad was a big part of why he became initially known as the the action kid of Korean cinema. It it was the start of his reputation. It was it merely based on like he's doing fight scenes, or was he doing action set pieces uh, that involved gunplay, explosions, or what have you? Or what was the deal there? Mostly fight scenes, insanely choreographed, well choreographed fight scenes, film angles difference in pacing between shots um if you think of the way tony scott in some of his films would do things in switching between you know fast slow blah, blah, and and the, the visual things you get the idea it's a different deal but it gives an idea of what he was doing he was he was hitting all the bases technically that hadn't been done before as well as creating choreography that was making people's jaws drop open 
and now the action kid had uh, hit a nerve therefore uh, and uh, and also uh, the development of high speed internet in korea made companies realize the potential in that in combination with uh, the action kids prowess in creating you know set pieces but also short movies and that led to him along with uh, Jiang Jin, writer Jiang Jin, who uh, the writer of uh, Costaway and the Moon, going by the book, and uh, <laughs> what was the, he was the judge on one of the talent shows, like uh, Korea's Got Talent. I remember that fact. That, that was amusing yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, so he was part of that. Kim Ji Woon uh, also contributed short movies for for the now defunct website called Cine 4M. And uh, Rio's uh, short was a send-up of Korean action films of the 60s, of uh, Bruce Lee, of uh, Shaw Brothers movies, melodramas, Jackie Chan, so essentially all movies in one small one. <laughs> and uh, and if I'm not mistaken, this this short is called Dachi Mawa Lee, and uh, it's, it's, it sounds too wild to be hidden away. So considering it's on the internet, I mean, is it saved in any shape or form on the internet you know. it's still available on the internet you may have to hook it by the bit but you can find it and it's well worth a look um you've said you know it sounds too wild we've hidden away it really is um essentially if you've seen the good the bad and the weird and you were less than impressed than you think you should have been Dakin Wana Lee is the film the good the bad and the weird should have been it's about uh a thug that the name itself actually is a it's Japanese Korean slang meaning one against many and it's about one thug who travels from Manchuria to Switzerland to South Korea to Tokyo to Shanghai searching after a golden Buddha it's insane it's frivolous it's intense what can I say it's all shot in South Korea so him making it look We're like that. We're now in Switzerland. Well, exactly. And if you watch it, you wouldn't you wouldn't think, oh, yeah, that's, well, that must be so. You know, you'd say, oh, we're in Shanghai. Oh, we're back in Mancuria. Um, it is insane, and it, it fits with the reputation that Rio Sung-Wan was getting. Um, it's a phenomenal film. I, I'm smiling already just talking about it. Um, it's well worth a look. As I say, you'll have to hook about a bit on the internet, but it's still available on there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's so modern nowadays that even uh, on the internet that uh, things get saved, you know, and re-uploaded and things like that. So yeah, like, totally. the, like it would be a crime if uh, creativity, creativity like this got buried along with the website. So. Uh, our, our chosen movie for review, No Blood, No Tears, is said to be uh, Ryo Sung-Wan's experiencing uh, his first creative and financial setback, uh, at least in the audience's eyes. Uh, uh, in terms of admission figures for Seoul, uh, I, I found that it was listed as the 25th highest grossing Korean film of that year, um, far away from the top five that also included Marrying the Mafia, Public Enemy, and The Way Home. So it was uh, close to the top 20, but not the uh, top movie of that year. But uh, he he was now a hot name. He was given hot project, the cast of Thespians from stage and now films, such as uh, Jung Jae Young from Castaway and the Moon, and this Mm -hmm. realistic action tone choreographed by noted uh, stunt coordinator and actor uh, Jung Do Hong, who is in the movie as well, yep. as, as the quiet man in black. And uh, Ryo Sung-Wan has voiced that he felt betrayed by the people who put impossible expectations on his shoulders. So you, you, you need to sort of try and look at this from both angles here. This might be a bitter director, but uh, what is he talking about here? Did, did, like uh, that studio, um, 
that that uh, like uh, promoted it and crafted a campaign did, did what was the deal that didn't they put the movie in proper context in terms of uh, the promotion or what was the disappointment you think there and the betrayal betrayal because betrayal is a strong word you know i i personally feel that this is largely bitterness on Ryu Sung Wan's point you know with Dai Fad and Dakawan Lee he was getting such a reputation that he went to do no blood no tears being patted on the back and said you're going to produce the best action films that have ever been made they're going to make more money than anything else he decided for no blood no tears to go with what he described as female-led violence and when the film was released the film poster had Jun Do-yeon on the cover, you know, the two main actresses there full screen, but rather than promote it as female action, which at the time after, you know, since my sassy girl and my wife is a gangster, all this, you know, female action, female strength was a was getting to be a huge thing. They, the studio took what he'd said about it otherwise, which he called it um, pulp, pulp action, whatever that means. And they played down the whole female thing. And he blamed that for it not hitting the demographic that he was looking at, which is, you know, the the youth that were looking for the change in place in women's society. Problem is, if you watch the film, the two females are certainly there and they're big parts, but it's far less female action led than the description female action led would imply. The, the the biggest uh, action scene does not contain those two. Exactly. And, you know, if you look at Jung Jae-young, far newer actor at that time than Jun Do-young, um, but he's as big a part in it as they are, if not more so. And one of the biggest action scenes features him and another man, um, Jung Do-young, excuse me, Jun Do-hong, um, who was, you know, choreographer, actor, etc., etc., etc. So I think... I can see why he was bitter, but I I think he is bitter for kind of the wrong reasons because part of it's his fault. And, you know, in terms of a claim for No Blood, No Tears, the, the critics were actually really supportive, um, which he never mentions. It was the audiences that stayed away, and I think they stayed away as much because it didn't hit the mark they wanted rather than they were missold it. And I mean, a lot of that's my opinion, but well, well, it's very much fair to to hear various uh, perspectives, as I said, because it, it's quite a it's quite a big thing to say, uh, you know, especially as you work in four studios too. You uh, you're not your own man and printing money, uh, you know, automatically that way. Uh, but but he he seemed to be a focal point of critics, and you know, no wonder if you if you're big and you're going to be the focal point. Um, yeah. And even after the critical success of Arahan, described as a modern day wuxia uh, and comedy. Uh, people were saying the talent was losing its waist. And I mean, where did this come from, you think? Because was there something valid there in terms of your view of Arahan, or was that just sensationalism in film criticism and journalism where they just wrote some like clickbaity headline and tried to stir the pot that way? I mean, were, were they like disappointed in his lack of progression having seen Arahan, you think? I, I think they they overstate things, let's face it, they do. But having looked at Arahan out of all of Rio Sung Wan's films, it's my least favorite. It's it's frivolous. It's it's almost, you know, Korean Spider Man mixed with spirituality. It's got good fight sequences, but it's 
it's very unbalanced and it's it's utterly throwaway and it just doesn't hit the mark anywhere close to what he was doing. So I can understand them saying, yeah, he's losing it a bit, but it was still very early in his career and everybody has little sidesteps, I guess. No, for um, sure. I, th- I think they jumped in too quickly, but I can see why they said it. I mean, he survived that noise, though, and he got uh, praise for maturity and going beyond, uh, quote, easy labels and traditional genre boundaries, as viewers and critics took in 2005's Crying Fist, starring Choi Min-sik. Uh, he got to, you know, play with emotions rather than just within the genre itself, uh, because it's a boxing movie, so he, he got to do a boxing drama where characters faced inner demons, and uh, it's noted as being a story of survival rather than a sports drama, and the movie was very well received. Just very quickly, I would agree with that entirely. When you watch Crying Fist, um, it's a Chamin Sick film. Uh, it's his from start to finish. To me, it didn't feel like a Ryo Sung Wan movie. I I wouldn't have recognized it in terms of his action kid stuff unless I'd actually known that was the case. It's a very emotional piece. It's a it's a gripping piece. And he and he also got a handle on drama rather than like I haven't done drama, so let's melodrama works right. Like like it wasn't this uh, new kid trying out something that felt uh, like it wasn't ready for. No, it's it feels like a veteran doing a job that he knows he's doing. It's an incredible film, and it is rightly. I keep doing this, you know, classics of new Korean cinema. But if you were to list the the top a hundred films out of, you know, ten twelve years, Crying Fist would be right up there. It's an incredible film. But his brother, not Choi Min Sik's brother, but Ryu Sung Won's brother, Ryu Sung Bum also got good notices as an actor because he's in that movie. So uh, what's your take on his uh, brother's capability and how has he shaped his career since? Like, has he moved forward to evolve as an actor doing different things and things like that? Very much so. Um, poor Ryu Sung Bum, as he's called, has a hard time because his brother is director Ryu Sung Won that everybody talks about. He's an incredible actor. He's done a lot of work with his brother, you know, acting in his films. He's been in The Berlin File. He's been in The Unjust. He was in Ararang, but he's also stepped away into his own things. He was in uh, erotic thriller, The The Servant, and possibly my favorite film of his uh, from about five or six years ago called Perfect Number, about a young mathematician who fabricates an alibi for a girl he loves when he finds out that she's murdered his abusive husband. It's nuanced. His acting is impeccable. Um, he's got a huge career. In Korea, he's as well known as, as his brother. In the West, he's known as somebody who's in Ryo Sung Wan's films, but only half the people that see them will know that they're related. Not riding on the coattails of his brother is the point here, that he's crafting his own career uh, whether uh, and, and appears in his brother's movies. To, to, to a degree. You know, and every time you see him in one of his brother's movies or his own movies, you know, he's his own star. He's a great actor. You know, it's so many years in now in terms of crafting action movies and putting action on screen, work with his stunt team. What, what, was he looked at some kind of authority on the technical aspects of action that Rusung One is the guy we want if we want fight scenes in, in movies? Or was he part of a scene that had a core group of famous stunt coordinators that could get it done too. And, um, you know, it didn't need to be a Ryu Sung-Wan 
film to be martial arts action tint that there were other people that could do this thing do these things too very much so and i mean he was seen as an authority but not to the extent where he was asked to do anything outside his own things. I mean, if you look at what he's done, it's all been his films. He In 2000, and he said, trying to think, 2006, 2007, the sole art centre cinema actually had a 10-day event where they brought him down and got him to choose his favourite action films, including some of his own, and talk about the techniques used. So... In general, the industry knew he knew what he was talking about, but in terms of other directors, they'd go for Jung Do Hon, um, who's the silent man in No Blood, No Tears, to choreograph stuff rather than going to Ryu Sung Wan. And, uh, and, and therefore that means that he has some knowledge in terms of how to stage as well, even though there are stunt coordinators on, on the shows. But the uh, Ryu Sung Wan is not just like narrative only and then I, then I F off. When, when it's time to do action, like he has a vision for that and technical know-how too. Very much so. And if you watch any of his later films, you can almost say this is Ryu Sung Wan because of the way it's choreographed. So he's got a big say in what is taking place, whether he's got choreographers in or not. He rules the roost, I guess. He knows what he's doing and he imprints every one of his movies. You hear about this 2006 action picture City of Violence a lot, and ma- mainly it's because of Western distribution, but uh, it-, it was conceived as a Jackie Chan-style type of action film mixed with the martial arts heroes of Chang Chies. Um, Chang Chie did movies like One on Swordsman and about 99 others because he made that many movies in his career, and, and it was set in a world like into Chinatown, uh, uh, according to notes, I uh, Polanski's Chinatown. So... Was he going high concept, uh, putting forth like great ambitions, or or was he still experimenting with like scope and the budget of of his films? And and, and also judging by how it's said to be, be conceived, you know, featuring all those things, what was he like doing his own films rather than being prodded to make? I think he was doing his own films, and if you if you watch City of Violence, you can almost see the inklings of things like The Unjust and Veteran. Um, it doesn't quite manage it. It's in terms of vet, if we look at Veteran, it's sort of it's got a lot of humor. If you look at The Unjust, it's very very dark. And City of Violence tries to do both, but it doesn't quite manage it. It's essentially about two partners in crime who fall out and move along to a big showdown at the end. It's it's not exactly a, a new idea. But his set pieces are noticeably improved. They're they're bigger, they're better choreographed, and you can almost see where he's going to go in the future. Um he wasn't quite there yet. It did okay. It got Western dis- distribution. I think uh, UK picked it up. Uh, I think Hong Kong Legends had this offshoot label called Premier Asia. And I think yeah. that was one of their pickups. Uh, and, and they, they picked our Korean movies for that label too. Yeah, I, I, the the version of the DVD I have is a UK version of the Premier Asia. Certainly that's where it came from. I don't, I don't know how well it did in terms of selling on DVD here. Um, it was just a case of back in the day when HMV and stuff were around you'd go down you'd see all the tartanesian straight extreme stuff and in between that you'd always have you know sex is zero and you'd have no blood no tears and you'd have the city of violence it was always there with you know one of the characters sort of 
in mid-jump on the cover. So I think that makes it as worthy as anything. Showing where he's going to makes it as worthy as anything, but it is quite erratic and it's a bit throwaway. This is sort of a throwaway question, but I'm curious because he continued to do some shorts and mini-movies, including for the Korean tourism organization, uh, and those were targeted for the Chinese market. And uh, he did some commercial work for Motorola. It, it was like a short film starring Kane Kosugi. So but by this point, because this is a little bit more modern, so it's not buried yet. So are you that like hardcore into Korean directors that you pick up and follow, uh, follow release of such materials from the director? Or that is impossible to follow because it's not, you know, on the movie websites in terms of news items that a new Rio Song One commercial. This sort of thing depending on the director, just comes and goes and disappears. If you've got a director like Park Chanuk, when he did his, you know, iPhone movie, Night Fishing, regardless of what you'd heard, you knew about it. With something like this, with Rio Sung Wan, he's a lot less known internationally, so there'll be a lot less said about it. There'll be a lot less access to it. I mean, I could, I could, off the top of my head, almost tell you where to go and watch Night Fishing. I couldn't tell you where to find this short. I haven't seen it. I've never. But I got heard a full playlist of all of uh, John Dujan's uh, hundreds of commercials. <laughs> that, that's that's between me and my God. But yes, uh, you know, and she looks great with that soda bottle. If you can get hold of them, I be that hardcore. But I'd only be that hardcore for a very few directors. And much as I like Ryu Sung Wan, I'm happy with just his his bigger things. I, I wouldn't necessarily seek that out. And we talk about the action kid in martial arts, but it seems like uh, some of the following movies might not be like fully martial arts themed or anything. And uh, he received uh, a claim for his 2010 film Beyond Just, which is about police corruption. It had action elements. But then we also come to a film that I think comes up in discussion, rightly or not, because uh, it, it's a title that, oh yeah, that Korean film. And uh, that is The Berlin File. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, uh, it hinged its bets quite a bit on the director and the genre and the star power. It became the all-time highest-grossing Korean action film, but barely earned back its budget, reportedly due to its high budget. <laughs> right, mm-hmm. so it's, a big, it's a big one, so it needed to do well, and it did well, but not, uh, no, not uh, as well as uh, Date Hope, I suppose. And uh, Rio went on to comment that he, again, maybe bitter, bitterness, but he felt that the younger demographic wasn't targeted well enough as they they, and they would know little of the cold war era anyway Mm. and uh, after this he said uh, he wanted to make a cheap film again because this was a massive undertaking so uh, in spontaneous thoughts on the um, berlin file and uh, is he right to pursue the small do you think he flourishes more making the small or it's a case case to case basis in terms of big uh, big budget versus uh, small scope and all of that i think it's a case to case basis and i think if he goes big budget, it's worth doing. Berlin File didn't make anywhere near as much money as he wanted it to and as it should have. But personally, it is my favorite Rio Sung One film by far. It's essentially a north-south thing. An arms deal goes wrong and Ha Jung Woo, who you'll know from The Chaser and The Yellow Sea, is targeted by his North Korean bosses who want rid of him. So he takes his wife, which is, you know, my sassy girl, Jun Ji-hun, and they try to get out of Berlin with South Korea and North Korea both following them. It's got Han Suk-kyu in it as a, an agent. As I say, Jun Ji-hun, 
it's far less action. There is action in it, but it is political thriller from start to finish. And considering it's it's done by the action kid, it's incredibly well balanced. It's incredibly well done. If you compare that to his subsequent films of The Unjust, which you say it, it's police corruption, um, schoolgirls are raped and murdered, a suspect is killed, the public go nuts, so they decide the police decide they're going to find a scapegoat of somebody who's been in sexual trouble before and Wang Jun-min is entrusted to go and get him and he's a corrupt cop he's you know bad to the bone it's really dark it's really intense if you've seen things like the yellow sea where you feel like you've been bludgeoned over the head for two hours that's the unjust so moving from that to veteran a lot light lighter hearted but still really intense Again, it's a, a detective out to get a, a, a corrupt guy who killed somebody, helped. It's got a lot more humor. It's quite big budget as well, but not to the size of the Berlin file. So you can see he's doing very similar things. One's really dark. One's lighter noir. One's completely political. One's completely Korean. Um, he's just, he's moving about within the same sort of fields. And the more he does it, the better he gets. Yeah, you don't think the action kid when you hear of these uh, plot summaries of uh, the various movies, in- including uh, 2015's veteran that you mentioned. Uh, my note said it was made on a small budget, maybe smaller, because the Berlin file was as big as yeah, it the was. Yeah, Ber- the Berlin file was just massive. It was stupidly big. Uh, so and uh, it's about an immoral business tycoon pursued by a detective uh, that's investigated a murder and it clocked in at 13.3 million admissions and became not only the biggest hit of his career but also the, at the time the third highest grossing film in Korean cinema history yeah, it's probably totally. so probably still is up there like five six seven or at least top ten it's certainly it's certainly top ten I mean we we mentioned assassination and owed to my father earlier on which just whooped the the ass out of everything as did admiral roaring currents so as they've gone up veterans sort of gone down a little bit but it's still you know it, it's still a, a record breaking film really it's worthwhile and it's worthwhile for wang jun min as much as anything else who a lot of you'll probably know from a man who was superman and, and the like and older my father so your your views of uh, veteran aligned with the general audience you you, you gladly sort of say <laughs> Pursued it, and maybe multiple times. I I pursued it, and I was willing to revisit it. I would be more willing to revisit the Berlin File and even the Unjust, um, just because they're less comedic, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it's a great film, and it's a very commercial film, which is why it did so well. So uh, let's run some notes on his uh, to date uh, latest film, The Battleship. Island, not, not not the most inspiring English title there. No. Uh, it's a war drama, and uh, was his flavor of action genre, etc., one that synced with audiences last year? Uh, because uh, now he's delivering movies like every two or three years too. So, uh, so, so, uh, any general notes on the, the Battleship Island? Battleship Island is is Rio Sung Wan's World War Two thing. He's done it now. He can move on and go somewhere else. Um, it's a sense. <laughs> Ouch. It's based very, very loosely on a true story of Korean workers who were conscripted. They, they were lulled into thinking they could go and get work. They're taken somewhere and put into forced labor camps. And the whole thing is, at the time, World War Two, 
the U.S. were supposedly so upset about this getting out that they decided they were going to bomb this battleship island, this island that was sort of shaped like a battleship. And when the inmates find out about that, they go out of their way to escape. But Ryo Sung Wan really pushes the whole propaganda thing. He he takes a father and daughter figure and separates them. And, you know, you can almost hear him screaming, this is what's happened to Korea. North and South have been separated. It's very forced. It's very contrived. It does what it does, I suppose. It's very impressively technical to... For the sets, they actually had a two-thirds scale size set of the whole island. That's how they filmed it. Um, so it, it's, it's technically astonishing. Story-wise, far less so. Did it um, gel with audiences uh, in terms of box office? In terms of, if you related to the Berlin file, it did slightly less well. It did far less well than The Unjust and uh, way less well than Veteran. From 8mm to this, I mean, with so many movies in and uh, we go back to the essence of the action kid, I guess. So, you know, can, can you even talk of him as the action kid anymore? I mean, uh, it doesn't sound to me like he's focused on bringing martial arts like he used to be. I mean, is it like the least represented in his cinema nowadays and he's doing like big set pieces, but not like martial arts set pieces? Or what's your view on that? Is the action kid still in there? I, I think so, because no matter what, certainly not martial artsy, not hardly since Ararat. Um, if you look at what he does in No Blood, No Tears in terms of choreographed action, choreographed brutality, every one of his films has similar elements. So there won't be necessarily martial arts like there were in City of Violence, but they'll be very choreographed, very accomplished very intense and very brutal action. So I think action kid still fits, most specifically because he still looks like he's in his 20s. Yeah, and when I read his age, like 47, saw a picture. Yeah, you're still a kid, dude. <laughs> no, well, exactly. I, I, Along with the No Blood, No Tears, I gave you it on DVD from the UK version. What I didn't manage to give you was a set of extras on the third window release, which has got little interviews with Jun Do Yun, Ryo Sung Wan, Jung Jae Young. And when you look at Ryo Sung Wan at the time of this, he looks for. I'm making an action film, yo. Exactly. You know, he's got he's got the little sort of long bob with blonde bits dyed in. He looks like a, a teenager. Um, so why why he became known as the action kid sort of immediately comes right to the forefront of your thoughts um now he looks like a young man so i think action kid could sit for a little while longer but yeah i still i I think it still fits him and it will continue to do so because what he does is action regardless of how emotive the story is or how historical or not and and he's managed to prove his chops as a narrative and dramatic director too so he he didn't get like uh uh, well, critics might have put him in a, sort of a, a genre box, but he's managed himself to sort of naturally break out of that and just uh, create whatever creativity comes his way that he feels is right for him. Pretty much. And I think you've got to give him points for, yes, he's had a couple of missteps and maybe Battleship Island wasn't as good as it could have been. But when you look at over the years, his 
consistent success, you can see why he's got the reputation and why he gets the budgets that he wants to get. I guess it sort of semi starts with uh, no blood, no tears anyway, because um, the, like like die bad was consisting of stuff that's been created already in a way yeah. so uh, but uh, at any rate we have reached the review portion of no blood no tears and as for my short opinions um short opinion uh, two episodes in a row i've hit uh, upon a theme with my review notes uh, that it takes about an hour before the picture is made a lot more clear but this one it becomes a lot better in terms of the second hour. Uh, when Ryusung One makes us understand what players are involved and how they interconnect through violence and martial arts and comedy with often bloody and playful results, it, it, it gets going really well. There are There's good action scenes here, but I think some of the initial ones are not that great, uh, especially in the way they're shot. But uh, I'm going to single out the ones that are great uh, eventually. Uh, so some, some of them are even like, I use the term signature sequences for Kilimanjaro, and there are signature sequences here as well, in particular during Hour 2. So it's very pleasing and uh, fun as we are thrown, thrown about the place mood-wise, but it's a bit problematic getting all the pieces to sort of uh, cook here. But uh, unlike the director in the prior episode, uh, Reason One really does make us understand how they do uh, connect eventually. So um, far, far from a slam, but uh, I, I was struggling a little bit. But uh, hey, I'm old and dumb and I watch uh, pornography most of the time. So, uh, <laughs> there it is. Uh, okay. so, so, so what's your short opinion of uh, No Blood, No Tears? I have a lot of nice thoughts about No Blood, No Tears and a few less than good thoughts um i wish it had been the female violence film that he always claimed it would be um i think jean do young and lee young it, it i think they make the film for their part i think they're both amazing i love the nasty taxi driver just taking on the guy as he tries to seduce her um and he then ends up in the police station with her with him saying she seduced him and she's she's almost ready to blow all the time and i almost <laughs> wish she had she 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 really is uh, uh visually she made quite an impact but i have some other notes of that like she looks that part she knows this world and she doesn't take any crap that that kind of role massively and she does it so so well as far as jindo young i love her character as well i think recently one set her up really well because she essentially has no personality she's you know a grinning girl who wears sunglasses all the time because somebody's hit her and she's got a scar under her eye but all she wants to do is get the scar fixed and become a singer in japan i mean it's a question now doing a brief opinion but do, do you think he truly meant anything dramatically with this movie, or is it just sort of like a little playful story threads? Like after this is done, I'm gonna be a singer. Like it, it sounds a little bit daft in reality. Or do you think he meant dramatically anything that goes on here? I think he was just putting her across as completely vacuous, specifically because the other main female isn't. She's so switched on. She's so together. The the first really memorable scene for me was in an alleyway where Jun Jae Young actually beats the crap out of Jun Do Young, and the actress herself has said that that's one of her favorite scenes in the film because because her character has no personality and she would beat her if she was if she had the chance. Um, I I think that was a deliberate thing that Ryo Sung Won was trying to set one you know, 
silly airhead character against a really switched on lady. And I, I don't think it works as well as it could have, but there are inklings there. It's the point here that it's so sort of filled with moods that uh, for, for this one, I think I decided fairly early on that, uh, yeah, there's probably not going to be that much heartbreak here because um, we're in a world of uh, such extremes, you know, and, yeah. and, and those extremes I don't think is going to include drama. It might because it's a Korean movie. Asian movies do whatever the hell they want sometimes. And this one seems to do so as it introduces us to the underground world, underground world of dogfights. And the camera is, uh, you know, sweeping us back and forth. Uh, you know, whooshy sounds of the soundtrack, you know. So he's establishing the world. He's uh, attempting a stylish confidence. And um, e- even though you... You should uh, go in blind in movies and all of that and be surprised. It doesn't hurt to know the, this tidbit if you're a new viewer. That if you think this opening like depiction of this environment is lacking clarity, it's going to come back with to you with full clarity. Because he's yeah, going totally, to put totally. down the pieces eventually. But it feels sort of like so overwhelming, especially as he sort of piles on the characters good 9, 10, 11, 12 characters sometimes in trio in uh, walking around as a trio and um, in pairs and all of that so sometimes little red flags go off where maybe I want more explained to me than I should expect from movies and I should just sort of sit and tie myself to a chair and just watch the damn thing because he's gonna revisit uh, you know the tree of uh, silly waiters that we see early in the film their purpose is gonna be a little bit more clear in terms of how they are gonna interconnect and how they're gonna stumble upon you know violent funny events in this movie so but 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 some some few flags went off on me in terms of like I, I hope they tie this together because some things are a bit confusing. You know, I I, th- I think that's a, that's a really fair point, and I I understand it. I I think there's that other thing of with me sitting down to watch it because I trust Ryu Sung Wan. I could almost have sat down with that first time and been relaxed enough to think that he'd pull it together. But I could understand if it was a different director, I'd have the same qualms, I guess. It, 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 never, it was never made in, in an artistic way and, and with uh, quirky silences and uh, almost surreal scene transitions like Kilimanjaro partly had, you know. So it was it was just that there was a flurry of characters in different spaces, old and, uh, and not so old. So he was not making it easy on us and uh, not easy on himself, I suppose. Like, okay, this is a bag and a half to tie together, you know. Yeah, totally. Uh, but uh, there are playful transitions like that one you, you mentioned that, that I thought worked well comedically from the um, the drunk uh, taxi customer that starts uh, hitting on um, on the character of Gyung uh, uh, Sun and uh, she won't take that crap and uh, boom, we got a stylist transition to them sitting in a static two-shot in the police station. And she is not remorseful and pretty much utterly bored that she has to deal with this because, um, you know, he was an asshole. You yeah, know, totally. I was in the right to do this. Um, I don't think it's it's bread and butter, the the quirky humor necessarily, right? Or, or what do you think about that? Is it, is it just part of the whole or, or, or did you get a lot more comedic stuff out of it? No, I, I think it's just a part of the deal. I think he said in an interview, speaking about No Blood, No Tears, that he wanted to make it lighter noir. 
so I assume he he was meaning lighter in terms of the general, you know, Korean gangster action stuff of the time, you know, the public enemies and what have you, um, but not as far as gangster comedy. And I think he hits it quite well. If you if you look at some of the the gangster comedies like Guns and Talks and even Number Three, um, which again is Hansa Q, and they're very much you know, boom, if you like, in terms of their comedic stuff. I don't think Ryusung One wanted that, and I don't think he does it. I think it's more an attempt to lighten noir to the point where it's more accessible commercially. I, it didn't, you know, it didn't necessarily work in terms of audience participation but i can see where he was trying to do it and i think it i think it works quite well in general he does it too in the in the scene that follows the big altercation in the apartment where you know the debt collectors attack her and she uh, she fights back because uh she she drinks with them afterwards it's that sort of uh, quirk if you will but i think this is one of the action sequences that doesn't work for me the concept is great that uh, that she has to take care of business in that tight apartment and they're going to get the money back through uh, violence, you know. But he is shooting the action, or is not him, he's not the cinematographer, but the action is shot way too tight. Uh, it's shot with a chaotic camera because this is a chaotic brawl to a degree. The, the sort of negative to that is that we lose coherency even within a concept like that. And I think it's either in this sequence or, or se- the second action scene where Reason One uses this uh, sort of step printing that makes the shots all very blurry. Yeah. And I, even great action directors like Sammo Hong used this uh, at one point in his career, and it wasn't a good choice either. Uh, so I never really liked that. So the, the first action scene, as well as it's put together and performed and the chaos and the it's not about like fine balletic martial arts. This is one of the two scenes, but but then the third and fourth essentially pick it up again. But this is one of the first two uh, two scenes. It's the first two that doesn't get the technical language of action right because it is too confusing uh, to me and it's uh, indicative of um, either inexperience or someone saying that this is what audiences want uh, so um, I, I mentioned it in my f- brief opinion and I wanted to make that clear that uh, it's not a slam dunk um, but it gets better <laughs> thankfully totally I, I you know personally I think he was you know trying to push the envelope and trying to make it so constricted in that space that he thought he could get away with it but i agree it doesn't it doesn't work it's it's one of the the least effective scenes of the whole film from my point of view exactly i, I always hated that step printing process that uh, like the, the fans of artistic cinema might like it in like shunking express and movies like that where they use step printing as uh, so bridget lynn you know, performs assassinations there in the tight alleys of Hong Kong. I didn't like it there either, uh, to be honest. So, I, I, you know, whether in action or in art, it always looked uh, phony to me. To use yeah, it, uh, totally, like, totally. Like, like, like use slow motion and make it a little, a little bit more balletic, but frankly more coherent. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the relationship between uh, between uh, mistress and gangster. And uh, let's talk about uh, Jung Ye Young a little bit. It's the, the, the movie survives gangster tropes really well because his character is not inspiring in the least he's that typical i love you but i'll hurt you kind of gangster 
And it's not like he's the gangster boss of all gangster bosses. You know, he's fairly low ranked. You know, he's not Scarface, <laughs> right? But he can dish out uh, violence, unfortunately. And Jung Ye Young seems goofy. You know, because you, you can't take uh, that act seriously in terms, in terms of how the character acts. Like, like I'm wearing stylish clothes and I'm, I'm the cock of the walk. You know, I'm, I'm above everything. But he does have violence in him. As uh, as uh, judging by the alley fight scene and uh, the beating off uh, that you describe, but in the alley fight scene, by the way, uh, Ryusung one is playful again with his camera, but it's it's almost surreal because Jung Ye Young is all of a sudden the superhero of the Flash in this sequence. He moves that fast, and uh, it's the second action scene that sort of fails. For the same reasons that I just mentioned. It's way too tight. It's way too quickly cut. But after that. And I'm sure I'll mention it. It gets more stable. It gets better. It gets more coherent. So uh, it's a shame that you waste effort like that Paul. Because Jung Ye Young is not using a stunt double. He's performing performing his fight scenes. And while they are brawly. And they're fights rather than like. Oh I'm doing Wing Chun. But still, it's it, it takes a you you got to be ready physical f- physically you, for that. You and he really is. have, and, and you know, just watching all of his scenes, you know, you're you're almost out of breath by the end of it because he puts everything into it. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, you know as well as I do, he is my favorite Korean actor. Oh boy, that was a brave statement that you're gonna lose sleep over. Like, <laughs> I I still love you, Song Kang Ho. I still love you. This and this. I still love you. <laughs> Still think he's a damn sight better. But what he puts into No Blood, No Tears just underlines that to the nth degree. Whether you look at his, his films that are emotional, his films that are funny and quirky, or his films that are, you know, like this, really violent. I love the fact that, okay, there are issues with that alley scene, but I love the fact that him in his drunken state you know, beats on her a bit, then apologizes as she walks away. And as soon as she comes back, he hits her again. It's it's beautiful in some of its ways. It, it has flaws, but I think John J. Young is a lot of what is good about this film. Mm-hmm. I, I think he actually runs away with this movie and, and yeah. steals it and, uh, because the character is not written in any inspiring way. Yes, you fear him, but it's not. You, you don't take him seriously as he lies on the couch scratching his balls. Yeah, exactly. And boy, is that funny. You know, it's easy to do. You know, the the, the physical act of scratching your balls is not difficult. But you got to say, <laughs> like, he's in his worn T-shirt but I, by that point, so he's not dressed up. Rizung One is setting a trap for it. Like, that guy is not going to be dangerous or resilient. Yeah. Spoiler, yes, he is. <laughs> he's yeah, gonna be. Uh-uh. You know, you said he said he was a new actor, but to me, this is like a veteran elevating to me but that's kind of his deal isn't it it always has been you know as i say on the dvd of the uk dvd of no blood no tears he's interviewed and you can tell just by listening to him it's only a couple of minutes but he goes out of his way to say that he was so scared acting next to jean do yun because she's the biggest star in korea he didn't know what to do he asked her for help she was very helpful he's very grateful and it almost felt like he was talking about his first film but when you see him on screen it's just there um and i think that says a lot about his talent from start to finish and and it it never really becomes over the top it's about more about the character is more resilient than we think he is so it's it's it takes a 
beating but stands up but it's not like he's going gary oldman on us mm. from like leon or whatever like he, he doesn't uh he, he, he doesn't try to hog the camera as such. No, very much so. He's 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 very. I mean, he's a major character, but he's very easily almost put in the background by his own choice, which is which is quite something. Do you think he was conscious conscious of reason one on any level to to be disconnected for one hour and then start to connect events and characters and the main goal of money can you sense there's a structure there in terms of you know stick with us and we're going to reward you kind of thing or... yeah i mean i mean if you if you look at rio sung one's films no matter how long they are um you can almost guarantee that about halfway through it will all coalesce and you'll suddenly realize what the deal is it, it's almost his set form that there'll be a lot of disparate parts that gradually come together and in this case it's over this whole bag of money thing that's that's a deliberate thing i think that's the way he does it and he may not have done it as as coherently in no blood no tears as he does in his later films it's an element of his work i think it's it's part of his his deal but but you you met you go aha when 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 the pieces are laid there and you are totally gotcha the the most earlier evidence is of course uh, the the car crash and how the ladies meet uh of course but uh the you know the dumb tree of uh of uh, servers or waiters obviously you're waiting for them to have a place and i don't know if they ever have a place it seems like they randomly stumble upon events and they're, they're not very bright uh as we find out but uh <laughs> yeah. you know we we finally managed to be in the case of them we, we we managed to get the entertainment factor of it all and uh, so it was never really truly frustrating because i finally got it you know i, I got the purpose of the quiet man uh, which is not a difficult purpose but he seems like a surreal element during our one from another movie and a, a, such an over stylized character he doesn't say anything but he kicks yeah very 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 much so and you know caricature to the end degree but, but then but... it's simple after that like he's part of the depth like he's a tool for debt collecting and that's exactly it and uh, i don't know how much experience he had as an actor uh jong do hong but uh he uber handsome man and uh he knows how to embody that and he obviously is a, is an action performer i think he's a martial artist too so uh he, he is incredible i was aware of him as an actor um, he's been, he was in, you know, City of Violence, Arang. He's done a lot of stuff with Ryo Sung Wan. He, most recently, there's a Netflix series, or there was a Netflix series um, with Bay Duna in it um, called Sense8 that everybody wheeled about for about two years. He's in that. He was in Born to Kill, which is NASA, you know, classic Korean cinema with Shim Yuna, Natural City, Brotherhood, if you know, which is also known as Taeguchi, um, which was about the korean war it's a huge probably as famous as i guess the housemaid in terms of new korean cinema you know so he's had a big acting career but i wasn't aware of just how much action choreography he does as well he choreographed veteran Hemu, which is from a couple of years ago about it was known as sea fog i think for the english title he did the berlin file he did the unjust he did a bittersweet life way back in the day he was originally the stuntman in M. Quantex, a general's son, which we've, which we've spoken of. So it's years ago, and he choreographed things like 
Kim Ji Woon's The Foul King and The Good, The Bad and The Weird. So his choreography, his fight choreography is probably bigger than his acting. I just I wasn't aware of it because you you follow actors, you follow directors and you see the, the choreographers as other, you know, other people involved. So, you know, he's he's far more massive than than I would have given him credit for. And I think it shows in this film because his, his choreography fight scenes are just, along with Ri Sung Wan, phenomenal. The centerpiece that we, I'm sure we'll mention shortly or whatever is, uh, is certainly something else. And uh, whenever he's involved, it's clear that the movie is shot a little bit more well because they're dealing with a martial artist and then they they can be a little, little bit more stable. But I don't think you need to wiggle your camera about just because someone isn't a martial artist, so that isn't the excuse or anything. So for for our one, it's not a slam dunk tone, but it's confident enough. He'll build on, you know, he's got a woman on top, and he's going to build the connections. And admittedly, there there are a few threads that I still don't understand. Like they they rejected old gangsters in a scene or two. I don't I don't know what that was about. I mean, it's sort of funny that they used the rejected old gangsters, but I think I think that was the point. It's just him trying to do that like noir and isn't that quite funny that they're old gangsters and they're just done and nobody cares I want to sing it out a little bit uh, actress uh, Lee uh, Hyo uh, yeah, young, of course, as the taxi driver, Gyung Sun. She's got a wonderfully detached attitude about this world. Like, she doesn't buy the nonsense in this world. And some, some of the stuff she witnesses, although it's life and death, is nonsense. Like, uh, uh, she at one point, she leans back in her seat and just looks up. And it's she, sh- she sure just rolled her eyes at that point, because that's essentially what she's communicating. That God is stupid. <laughs> you know, but uh, I have some goals in my life serious goals but god this is stupid <laughs> and and she, but but she doesn't say a lot of that stuff so thankfully it's all in the attitude she has that she's uh she she doesn't take this seriously this world because uh, they're all fools man well totally i mean I, I mean i was i was deeply impressed by her almost as much as yun do yun but you wouldn't believe that in terms of a film she was in she hasn't done any film since 2006 but she she at that time had only done four or five films so you know when you look at her you think she's a veteran actress she's she's got the the button it wasn't in film her whole thing is tv she's been in tv shows since 1995 and she's you know up to 2012 she was still doing i think she's retired now but i was so impressed when i find out how few films she'd actually been in her most famous one other than no blood no tears is one called bet on my disco which is you know you you can imagine it's it's known in new korean cinema terms but only because it's it's just a a generic this that and the other um so you wouldn't expect such a powerful performance from someone who'd done so little film work compared to jean do young and I think she handles it amazingly. She's she's a phenomenal character. Uh, and and I mean, it seems more like yes, they connect as women and uh, has have sympathy for each other. But uh, it's almost like uh, it's fun for them to be on the run and execute this heist, which is uh, not ironically, but it coincidentally, I think when the heist tone kicks into gear as we get back to the dog fights, then okay, got it, got it, got it now, and and then. Then he does something very well. He manages to ga- gather so many crucial people in one setting, and we 
get what they're looking at and what they're looking for and as things switch hands and all of that and so it's it was a relief paul that uh, the clarity of that opening that seemed to mean something that uh, setting is finally here you know and it wasn't totally. that it wasn't that much of a wait but i'm glad when it happened i, I was really like ah, okay got it okay I, I think we're good now uh, so so that's the point where i think it uh, pretty much works all the way through it very much so what's there to say about uh, the um fight scene between jung do hung and jung ye young in that setting there are no dogs anymore but uh Here's the martial arts set piece of the movie. And uh, what is there to say about um, this uh, prolonged set piece where two characters really go at each other? I, th- I think for me, it was one of the two most memorable scenes of the whole film. The, the other one being the final sort of warehouse scene. I, th- I think they hit off incredibly well. I don't think it's over long. I think it's incredibly intense. And it's Ryo Sung Wan intense. I think Jang Jae Young handles playing against a, an actual martial arts expert phenomenally well, and I think they hit it off perfectly. I mean, I, I rewatched that choreography two or three times, and it's breathtaking from start to finish. I was so glad that this was much better as an action scene because we now we got better flow in shot length. There's better composition. He's not as tight anymore. There's therefore the edits aren't as jarring, so therefore there is a flow here. And indeed, he uses Jung Ye Young admirably. And uh, you know, it's not this uh, sort of like a dinosaur versus a tiny little human, and it's too unrealistic that this would um, be even. But and, yeah. and partly it is because he's a stupid gangster, and this is a martial <laughs> artist. But there's some really cool beats here where we realize that as much of a fool that he is and uh, he probably scratched his balls and uh, and didn't wash his hands in that scene but his resilience is something else and that the primal nature that therefore this scene is infused with it's not terribly serious it's just that oh my god he's not back in town (laughs) oh my god and he's gonna be in the movie after this scene i did not expect that yeah, well, you know, just it is that whole he just won't lie down. He just won't lie down. God, lie down, man. You're going to get killed. Phenomenal stuff. Um, so, so were, were you at all like there's so many characters, even when the movie has achieved its flow and all of that, it, does it matter if you comprehend all motivations and connections or is it? I don't think so. I, I, I because I think it's heading towards the final, the final showdown. And the final female centric thing, there's a, there's a, I'm not going to give any, you know, spoilers away, but there's a final, there's a final scene where the two ladies are together and we find out, well, everything finishes. And I think he's heading towards that through an action thing and through lots of different characters, but that is what he was aiming for. And I think if you, if you keep your eyes on those two women, all the men, men things can be excitingly action and whatever else, but I think he wanted you to be with them rather than anything else. There's certainly no irony during this one-on-two ending because uh, there, there's some endless pummeling here. Mm. And and he almost he goes for a little bit more chaotic camera work, but he actually versus the first scene, Paul, here, he, it makes sense for 
the the tone of this scene and we can see its impact like it's not lost in tightness and uh, choppy editing as such so um so maybe they saw it themselves like don't think the first ones worked but okay we, we can't reshoot it so we gotta move on and we gotta get the other ones right they got the right ones correct i think yeah you know, and it does have to be said in that interview again, Jun Do Yun said that final fight scene was again one of her favorite scenes of the whole film, which I was really surprised about because the first time I watched it, I, I was actually almost shocked by its its bleakness, its yeah. its darkness. I mean, I find it quite hard to cope with. I think he pushed it maybe a little bit too far in terms of its never ending nastiness but that's that's just my take and I feel free to disagree completely I mean um, I didn't think uh, it overstated it's welcome I mean I, I think it can be exhausting uh, mm. seeing as like go down man go down fucking go down sometimes oh like we, we got again resilience but um, you know I, I like for for the actor in this case I think um uh, that's why why it stayed with me, and I didn't feel like it yeah, overstated, yeah. It's, overstated its welcome. That it uh, dramatically means something impactful. I, I didn't take take anything away from that because it, it, non spoiler, but the, you know the resolution isn't that. Um, they sort of like, well, we had an adventure. And, well, yeah. uh, let's uh, let's end the movie. <laughs> you know? so, uh, I guess I, I don't think he was aiming for a uh, dramatic statement about. Uh, you know, women sticking together or anything. Yes, they. they it, it's there, but 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 I don't think he he was thinking of uh, you audiences. You gotta feel stuff at the end, man, because I'm an author. <laughs> no, I I honestly just think with that ending, you know, he wanted it to be the two women because it was the female violence thing he started out with, and I think that final scene was just simply to allow people to leave the cinema with a smile on their face. I don't think there was any more to it than that. Uh, I don't have any other notes. Again, it was uh, pleasing uh, once it got going and it was not uh, hard to stay for the two hours, not at all. And uh, and uh, even the free fools are going to grow on you. P- possibly the biggest laugh comes from uh, the uh, one of the scenes involving the free uh, waiters. Uh, uh, I, I won't spoil the gag, but um, when they cut to one of the previous uh, uh, transportations, right? Uh, they, they sit in a car and then they reminisce about what they used to drive together mm-hmm. like that, that, that quick cut to do you remember the scene in question paul i do i do it is a wonderful line. cut to gag but uh what they meant uh, uh when all was said and done well they were just there they had their goals but they weren't uh the clever bots of the story necessarily uh the, the old uh, the old rejected gang uh, gang members they didn't return as far as i remember though uh, true true and that would have been fun if they were the victorious ones <laughs> by the end <laughs> we're not rejected anymore now no no so th- there it is um uh, as for availability though uh, the uk dvd by third window films is available still at a very reasonable price it's listed as out of print on third window films website but you can still get it new at amazon and i don't think it broke uh, even the 10 pound uh, limit i think it was like six or seven plus shipping so it, it's still available out there and as paul alluded to there are some subtitled dvd extras as well that uh, might bring a little bit of a context and uh, fun to the proceedings 
So that's it, buddy. No blood, no tears. Put the rest. And uh, I never asked you this, but uh, has he got anything announced there, Ryu Sung Wan, in terms of uh, uh, what movie comes after the Battleship Island? Nothing as yet. Um, I, I've had a look about now. I've actually been waiting, but um, I'm assuming he's in pre-think, I guess. I, you know, we're expecting what to every two, three years. So a couple of years, we'll we'll see something. He hasn't said anything as yet, but on that note as far as from my point of view as far as watching a Rhea Sung Wan film you get the idea of what he does with No Blood No Tears I enjoyed it it works for what it is but for me it's Jeon Do Young and Jung Jae Young um, as the the female and male couple that make No Blood No Tears worth watching and both actor and actress have new films coming out this year. Jeon Do Young is in a film called Birthday and John Jae Young is in a film called Strange Family, which I haven't been able to find out anything about, but they'll be they'll be around later this year. So, you know, before you check those out, which you must, do check out No Blood, No Tears and see them earlier in their career. Um, a final thing on that le- note, the, the film won three awards, one for leading actress for Jeon Do Young, one for best newcomer, newcomer for Jung Jae Young, and one for sound effects. Which, where that came from, I never know. Um, but you know, if you need proof that they're worth watching this film for, there you go. Sweet that they considered um, acting to be this film's strong point, and uh, because totally. you, you wouldn't. Uh, she's good, but uh, if I were a betting man, I would say that probably some technical awards and maybe John Jae Young, just because you noticed that performance. Well, so, so I'm glad they uh, expanded it to, to the ladies as well, or one of the ladies anyway. So. And uh, isn't it great that she isn't uh, uh, she hasn't uh, gone down the route of uh, retirement? Totally. Don't, don't even jinx it by saying it. No. <laughs> we need John Do Young. We need her. Is she married by, uh, by any chance? Or, so she's, uh, she's, uh, she's a wife and working? Yes, I, she is. And, you know, I'm very very jealous because she still looks the same age as she did when she did No Blood No Tears. Go figure. She's and she's just she's one of the best actresses there is. Let's be honest about it. Right on. Well, uh, go see uh, go see Secret Sunshine for uh, for quite quite, totally. quite the acting showcase. Uh, you know, I don't remember if she she was awarded for that film, but certainly that's uh, a performance for the ages so uh, you know Mul- multiple awards mm-hmm. well let's uh, put this one to bed uh, with some brief 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 contact information this has been what korean cinema on the podcast on fire network this show and the entire back catalog of uh, us looking at vintage whether black and white uh, classics from the 60s or early 2000s in color uh, versus something uh, newer that uh, we all uh, mix and match that's all available on our site uh, as well as on itunes and stitcher radio of course uh, if you use itunes please uh, consider subscribing to us uh, uh, leave a rating and a review if you uh, subscribe to us on itunes that would very much be appreciated all the Social media links are available in the show post and on site, and they're all relevant links, including interviews and what have you, by Paul of the filmmakers at hand here. And uh, I'm sure he's still dreaming that uh, John Duryon will make the trip to, to the UK and that he will uh, at the very least end up in a group interview. But uh, uh, that day has not come yet. I think you've said that the actresses uh, coming over doing interviews and uh, appearing uh, at Q and A's and retrospectives uh, is a more rare thing versus the male actors and and the directors. Massively so. 
or, or, or they're just in more demand in Korea, so it's just impossible to... More in terms of actresses, when they f- finish a film, they will go and do a TV show. And, and male actors will do that, but, you know, you'll get actors that will just specifically do films. Most of the actresses also do TV. About four years ago, Korean Cultural Centre in London had a year of the 12 actors where every month they bring over an actor. And Jeanne Do-Yun was actually down as one of them. They had Moon Sori as well. Um, I was all set, you know, I, I had my best trousers on, you know, I, et cetera, et cetera. And about a as week... Opposed to, uh, as opposed to the other times where there were no trousers on for whatever Well, yeah, you, you, know, but, you know, things happen. It's buses. You, you've got to be careful. Um, but about two weeks before she was set to arrive, she turned around and said she couldn't do it because she'd just been offered a new TV show. So it's a case of they're just... They're so big that they're they're just grabbed from one thing to the next. Um, hopefully someday I would I would love to interview her. Um, and you know, let's be honest, Jung Jae Young as well. But we will we will see. Excellent. Well, you you have a plethora of um, uh, a big archive of interviews and such. And what's that website called, and where is it located? I'm at hangolcelluloid.com and Facebook. You can find a link to it through. At facebook.com slash Hangle Celluloid. Um, Twitter's at, at Hangle Celluloid. As Ken says, pop over to the site. There are three interviews with Ryo Sung Wan. There are a review of a couple of his films, most notably The Berlin File. So if, you're, if you've listened and you've sort of had your interest piqued, go pop over and, and have a little read. Excellent. Well, we are done for this episode. Uh, we'll hit the think tank in terms of what to do next. Uh, I think I've, I've contemplated it as, as a bonus episode, but why? Uh, why be so silly? Because uh, my, my I had a, a different idea for for the future, but it's going to be in the future uh, because we need to research it and find uh, the content and all of that. Because we, we talk about short movies and things like that, and uh, I was quite keen on let's like gather like four or five notable short movies that one are fairly available. And yep. uh, talk about short movies because some of them make an impact on you. And my main demand was that we gotta include Doggy Poo. Obviously, obviously. Which is the claymation acclaimed short movie about uh, the adventures of uh, a piece of Doggy Poo. And, and 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 by the way, I think that was on at least Korean DVD. Very much so. It was on Korean DVD and it was on um, international DVD. With, with subtitles as well there's a i'm going off topic a little bit but there is like you all use whatsapp and facebook messenger there is a korean version of a messaging app called kakio talk and it's how i keep in touch with you know korean contacts rather than using whatsapp um at one point just after a glass of wine i guess i changed my profile picture to a picture of doggy poo and for Two days, I had message upon message upon message from Piece random of shit. No, I'm just kidding. Korean people, yeah, either saying it's doggy poo. How do you know about doggy poo? You know, or you know, what can I do? I'm just a doggy poo. So I mean, it's still in the zeitgeist. It's still still in everyone that has grown up in Korea. Essentially, knew of it when they were in school. So 
I, I think we need to cover it. Everybody's still talking about it. It sounds like a sweet short movie, and uh, even though it's a claymation and we're going to look at some live ones too, I think it's, uh, it needs to be included in there. So look for that in the future. But in the meantime, I've been Kenneby, and with me was uh, the reviewing kid of uh, Korean cinema action or not. So, and he was Paul Quinn. So say bye, buddy. Thank you for listening, guys. See you later. <laughs> <laughs>